What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs is in the Old Testament. And uh, it's it's the it's the Bible's version of Twitter. If you never if you never knew that, that's just a little little bonus for you right there. Just a little one verse, like boom, boom. No hashtags, just tweets. Okay, chapter fourteen, verse twenty-seven is what we're going to read here in just a second. Uh, the title of my message is Fear Factor, and uh, that, that's a throwback for some people. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's interesting. It was a TV show back in the day. Anyway, we'll we'll get to that. But let's read this verse together out of Proverbs fourteen. Verse 27, it says, The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. I like that. We're going to talk about fear today. Is that okay? We're going to kind of go there. I feel like we're in a little bit of a situation around our world where there's so much coming at us from every single angle. Like I can't think of a part of life where there's not some fear being thrown at people in some way, shape, or form. And uh, so we're going to talk about that today, but before we kind of get into the, the meat and potatoes of it, um, show of hands, who here has ever been impacted by fear? That's a softball. That's so easy. If you didn't raise your hand, we'll pray for you. You're a liar. And, and God loves you. God loves you. Um, there's some big stuff out there, but there's also some kind of weird things, right? Don't raise your hand, but, like, you know, if you've got some weird fears in your life, some things you're afraid of, um, I looked up some, some of the phobias just because I thought it would be interesting. So I'm going to pronounce some of these perfectly. And um, these are interesting. Here, here's the first one. I love this one. Um, Arachibutyrophobia. That's how you say it, for real. I practice. Um, that's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. That's, the Internet told me this. Um, so it's true. Uh, xanthophobia, xanthophobia, that is the fear of the color yellow. So Coldplay does not have that fear. Okay. A blutophobia, the fear of bathing. Hopefully nobody has that fear here today. And uh, if you do, we love you. We love you. If anybody here has one of these, don't, don't like message me later. We're just having fun. Calm down. Octophobia, not what I thought it was originally. This is the fear of the number eight. Do you know why? No, I won't do it. Okay, keep going. Globophobia, this is the fear of balloons. That's a thing. I don't know where that would come from. Um, Omphalophobia, (laughs) this is the fear of belly buttons. I don't know what you do about that. I don't don't know what you do. All right, this is, is I have two more, but this is the best one. And I'm going to also pronounce this one perfectly, so here we go. Um, (laughs) Hippopotamonstrosesquipedeliophobia. I mean, it doesn't even matter what it means. Y'all are just impressed that I said that and kind of a, it just kind of kept going. Maybe I started to make things up as I went, but I'm pretty sure that's what it said. This is the fear of long words. I'm not even joking. It's the... Hip-hop, hip-hop anonymous. This is the longest 
word, for real, this is the longest word in the dictionary, and it's rude. I think that's rude to people who actually have this fear. It's the fear of long words. Last but not least, phobophobia. Anybody? Fear of phobias. That's anyway. So anyway, back in the day, when I was a kid, as my kids like to say, back in the 1900s, actually, maybe it was like early 2000s, I don't remember, Fear Factor, y'all remember the show, Fear Factor, where Joe Rogan got his start before any of the other stuff, uh, this ridiculous yet eerily entertaining show, disgusting, it was kind of like a car crash you couldn't look away from, though, at the same time. And what they would do, if you don't know, is they would have people as contestants on the show, and they would put them through a series of just ridiculous things like lay in a pit and we're going to pour snakes all over you. And uh, who can stay the longest? Or spiders, or eat these, whatever things. And, and whoever made it all the way to the end or lasted the longest, they, they're the ones that won. They got, they got the prize money. So what was interesting as I started looking into this a little bit more is that the idea behind the show was actually a, psych, um, a psychological study. They were, they were trying to find and identify factors that could be introduced into a person's environment that would push them to the place of being overcome with fear, causing them to tap out. And because if they, because here's the thing, within that show, and you can make an easy correlation, because in that show, if they could find your fear, they can control your response and they can also control the outcome. And, and that's, you know, that's great for that show. It worked out, you know, everyone was kind of weirded out, but we kept watching and, and it seemed like it went forever. It's like, how long is this show going to continue to go? Eventually, they pulled the plug on it. But it's one of those things where you see how that operated, and then you look at the world around us, and you can see that there are similar things continuing to happen. There are, there are powers and forces out there that are constantly trying to introduce fear into our life to see if they can find the point where which we would tap out. So when we look at that show, I don't think that people had um, it wasn't a snake problem, it wasn't a spider problem, or eat a smoothie of worms problem. Ultimately, it was a fear problem. It was a fear problem. And, and that's where we are today. Fear is power, and those who control much of our world, world understand this. And the powers of our world, they are doing the same thing. They're constantly trying to introduce things into our life to figure out where they can find the tap-out point for the majority of humanity or where they can even on the opposite and cause people to begin to turn against each other. And those who, those who know how to wield fear will always have power over those who lose sight of who they should fear. And that's something that we got to think about. We have, we have a fear problem. And the solution is not eliminating fear. That's not the point. If you lived with no fear at all, and some of us may know people who do that, they, they usually have the best videos. Anyway, you know, I don't want to look specifically at you, BJ, but I think that might be something that you, you know, just great videos of you doing incredible things. Y'all can talk to BJ about that later. I don't know, I just, I'm sorry, man, it just came to the forefront of my mind. It's your wife's fault. They're all sended videos. Anyway, but living, living a life of no fear ends up being a, a life where things happen that you don't want to happen. And that's not what we're trying to talk about today. We don't, want to, we don't want to have a no fear life. We want to understand where we're supposed to direct our fear. We're not talking about little, little phobias. I hope you know that. We're going to, going to go after some heavy, some heavy hitters. There's a, there's a fear that controls and manipulates, and there's a fear that also brings freedom and brings peace. And that's the type of fear that we want to talk about today. Living in the fear of the Lord 
drives us closer to God. It will actually uh, drive us closer to each other. It promotes strength. It promotes unity as well as love for our neighbors. Living in the fear of the world does just the opposite. It drives us away from God. It separates us within families, within friendships, within our society, within cities and cultures. It destroys people. It it can destroy nations. It also isolates when we live in the fear of the world. So when it comes to the fear of God, we need to have a healthy handle on both the greatness of who God is as well as this, like, awe and wonder and respect of who God is. Does that make sense? Like, there's a a couple of weeks ago we talked about tension and how in our own mind we don't want tension, but life has to have tension. It's kind of like bridges. Like, if a bridge didn't have tension, you wouldn't be able to cross the bridge. Like, there are tensions in life that are important. And when we look at God, if it's only about awe and respect and Jesus is my homeboy and he's, we get so comfortable that we will actually begin to disregard and ultimately disrespect the greatness and the power of who God is. I mean, think about that in your own life. The people who you would tend to be the rudest towards and say things to that you would never say to anybody else are usually the people that live in the same house as you. And it's not because you don't love them. It's because you're so comfortable with them. And you know that even if you treated them a certain way that you shouldn't, they're still going to love you. You're still going to live happily ever after, whatever it may be. No, but we do that to God. We get comfortable with his grace. We get comfortable with his kindness. We get comfortable with his love. And if we don't maintain the tension of understanding that, wow, he's God. He's not just my homeboy. He's God. Then we will lose sight of the greatness of who God is. As a matter of fact, Jesus He was in a situation, again, where, like, the religious Pharisees were trying to kill him, you know, just a normal day. And um, and, and his disciples were concerned, and he looked to his disciples. This is in Luke uh, 12, 5. He goes, I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and throw you into hell. Good gosh, that's a strong statement, Jesus. But we don't want to, we like to scratch that out of the Bible. We're like, that's not the part of God I want to really remember. I want the gracious, loving, kind God that makes me feel good about myself. Well, there is that, but you better not also forget the God that when he spoke, worlds formed. The God that when he even breathed, life came to be. When he spoke, stars came into existence. Like, this is the greatness of who God is. When I was young, there were some things that, uh, that I did that were stupid. I don't know if anybody can identify with that. I'm not going to tell you what they were because that's not your business. Anyway. But there were also moments in my life as I learned to know who God was that I was tempted to do something, paused, and thought, I don't, maybe I shouldn't do that. Not because I was making a wise decision of not doing the wrong thing, but there was something inside of me that says, I kind of know a little bit more of who God is now. And I'm not sure that's something that he's going to want me to do. And I'm not, I'm not really positive in my theology what the outcome is going to be. So the fear of God is going to keep me from doing this right now. How many of you have ever not done something because you're like, I'm afraid of the the Louisville slugger or the lightning bolt of God, right? But the more you get to know God, the more you realize his nature, the more you realize God's heart, the more you get to know that it's not actually the judgment of God that brings you into repentance, it's the kindness of God that brings you into repentance. And the more you develop an intimate relationship with God, yes, there's the temptation to lose sight of his power and his greatness and the, the judgment, the finality of who God is, but you, begin to, you get to know God so well that in your mind you're like, I would never want to turn from that. because now, So now I'm, I'm not really afraid of God. I'm not afraid that he's going to strike me dead. I'm not afraid that God's going to hit me upside my head even if I need it with a bat. 
But what I do know is because I have that relationship with God, it becomes a place, started with fear, and it becomes a place of worship. And the more that I worship God, the more I want to put my faith in God. And the more I put my faith in God, the more I trust God. And the more I trust God, the more I know I can follow him all the days of my life. And that's where we're going to go today. We have to understand God is love. He's also just. He's forgiving, but he's also convicting. He's gracious, but he's also holy. We can never lose sight of that. So there's a fear that leads to control and manipulation, as I said before, and there's a fear that leads to peace and to freedom. So let me give you these four words again that I just kind of mentioned in that statement. There's fear, there's worship, there's faith, and then there's trust. Fear, worship, faith, and trust. And let me say this statement again because it applies to all of us. What you fear, you will worship, and what you worship, you will put your faith in, and what you put your faith in ultimately is what you trust. And that sounds fantastic until we start to pause and start to do some self-checking of our heart and our life to realize, okay, in these four areas, what do I really fear? And as a result of what I fear, what am I actually worshiping? And as a result of what I am worshiping, we're like, oh, worship, like, oh, what do I sing songs to and clap? No, that, this is just an expression of when, when the church gathers of biblical worship to God. But worship is really what has the core and the passion of your heart. Not just on Sunday, not just when you, when you come to a prayer meeting, but I'm talking seven days a week, 365. What has the passion and the focus of your heart? Because what, what sits in that spot is the thing that you actually worship. We can say we worship God when we come to church and we pray occasionally and we give occasionally and we try to do this and that. But at the end of the day, it's the things that really sit in the seat of your heart is what you truly fear. And I'm telling you, God wants that spot. He wants it passionately. The Bible talks about how God is a jealous God. It's like, well, jealousy is a sin. God shouldn't be jealous. Uh, God's God. <laughs> There's some things in the Bible where we can read it, and it's about God, and be like, well, I don't really agree with, with God being that way. We don't make those calls. We, we can't say, I will believe in God if God is this. I will believe in God if God will do that. Because our ability or our even desire to admit faith is not related to what God will and will not do. Because God is going to be God regardless of your belief. God is going to be eternal whether you believe or not. Whether you worship him, fear him, put your faith in him and trust him or not does not change who he is. God's not up in heaven stressing out about being popular. God's not concerned about how many followers he gets on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and TikTok. God is not concerned about the views on his YouTube channel. God is God, and he is holy, and he is just, and he is righteous, and he is the eternal judge, but he is also loving and gracious and kind and merciful and desires a relationship with you. What we fear, we will worship. What we worship, we'll put our faith in. And what we put our faith in ultimately is what we trust. Here's an example. Let's say you grew up in, in poverty and, and you didn't like it. And, and you made a decision in your mind, you know what, when I get older, I'm not, I'm not going to live like this anymore. And I'm also going to make sure I don't raise my kids this way. They're going to have everything. And maybe it's very possible that you give everything of who you are 
You work hard. You work harder than anybody else. You, you become successful. You become rich. You become wealthy in all the standards of our world. But I can guarantee you this. I've seen people strive to succeed in that way, in that way and still end up in poverty. And I've also seen people who strived ended up rich but lost other things in their life. They had everything in the world with money, with fame, with fortune, but their marriage fell apart. Their kids fell apart. Their private life fell apart, all in pursuit of something that they were afraid of. When, when you look at the kingdom of God and the principles of Scripture that talk about blessing and provision, that talk about wealth, that talk about prosperity, yeah, it's in the Bible. I know people have manipulated it, but it's still in Scripture. When you follow the ways that God says to do things, God will end up being your provider. When you put your, your fear, not of being poor, but fear in God, then you begin to worship him instead of worshiping the dollar, instead of worshiping the lack, instead of worshiping the fears. And then when you do that, you begin to put your faith in him. You begin to trust what his word says is true. You begin to trust that what God said he will do, he will actually do. And then from that place of faith and trust, you follow him, and you get to see the fruit of God being faithful to who he is. Amen? So let's do just a really quick Bible study. This is not an exhaustive study of the word fear of the Lord, uh, but I want to give you some that I think paint a great picture. Because I do think if we were to contemplate the fear of the Lord, most people might not have the full scope and picture of what that really looks like or that it's an incredibly positive thing. Fear of God means don't get struck by lightning. No, that's not what we're going to get into. The fear of the Lord, here's the first one, is true wisdom. And I love that it says true wisdom. It's kind of painting the picture that there's wisdom out there that is not true. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. You're going to see this word foundation pop up a few times. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. We see it again. That word foundation, come on, I'm telling you, when you build yourself on the foundation of the fear of the Lord, you will be able to stand. Because I can guarantee we're all experiencing it right now in every way. Fear is going to come at you from every single angle. Jesus even talked about the man, the wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the winds came and the storms came, they did not tear down the man's house because it was built on a solid foundation. The fear of the Lord is our solid foundation. The fear of the Lord is what points you to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus becomes your foundation through the fear of who God is, this healthy respect, this awe, this wonder, but also the recognition of the greatness of who God is, then there is nothing that the world can throw at you that will knock you off of that foundation. Because what you fear, you will worship. You fear God, you'll worship God. You worship God, you'll have faith in God. You have faith in God, you will follow him because you trust him. The fear of the Lord lengthens life. That sounds good. Because when you fear things around you, that actually sucks the life out of you. You can literally cut your life short by living in fear. But when it's in fear of the Lord, it actually lengthens life. The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. We read that when we started off. The fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. It's a teacher. The fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. Uh, the fear of the Lord will be your treasure. Come on, it's something that is great of great value. And then also the fear of the Lord strengthens believers and it gives peace. Does that sound like anything that you should be afraid of in a sense of like, oh, no, I don't want that. Please don't lengthen my life. <laughs> Please, no peace. I don't want peace. 
Riches, honor, this is a terrible idea. I don't want anything to do with this, no. But sometimes the world around us gets this idea of fearing God as in the lightning bolt. It's the punishment. It's the judgment because they don't know God. And because there are plenty of segments of the church world that has misrepresented the truth of who God is to the world around us. And when we, do, when we make the world feel bad about who they are and to be afraid of God, it gives us room to feel better about who we are when our sin is just as bad as their sin. Mm. Nobody wants to hear that part. So let's contrast the fear of God with the fear of the world. So if the fear of the Lord is all that wonderful stuff that we just talked about, and I'm telling you, if you do a word study, there are so, there are literally hundreds of verses that talk about the fear of the Lord and paint this beautiful picture. But the fear of the world does just the opposite. It creates dullness, foolishness, idiocy, mindlessness, simple-mindedness, stupidity. When I have feared not the Lord and I've done certain things in my life, it made me do some stupid things. It made me. (laughs) I didn't have any choice. No, it was stupidity. It creates illogic, irrationality, insanity, madness. It steals life, teaches ignorance, divides, isolates. It causes fight and flight. It creates poverty, it steals honor, and it shortens life. Come on, it tears down, it tears apart, it robs you of sleep, robs you of peace. How many of you have spent sleepless nights because you were afraid of something that was ahead of you? Or maybe even something that would never even happen, but that seed of fear was planted in you. That's not from God. God's coming to flip that script, to replace that, and to place in you a fear of him that will lead you to life that will lead you to peace, that will lead you to beautiful sleep at night. Does anybody want to sleep better in their life? Come on. I do. My wife does. We have a dog, and that dog just had a little doggy surgery. Not a lot of sleep, Um, and and more so for her, full credit. Anyway, so again, what you fear, you're going to worship. What you worship, you will put your faith in, and what you put your faith in ultimately is what you will trust Fearing people or fearing what's going on in the world around us will cause you to give your heart and your attention to what's being said and done. Instead of giving your heart and your passion, your worship, come on, to the one who fights your battles for you. That's why it's so important to get from that fear to worship to faith because when you get to that faith place in your life where you truly believe who God is, you believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, even when all the things that are adding up around you seem like it's not going to get to that place of God coming through, God still tends to come through. And I don't know if you've ever read Old Testament scripture or even history, but God somehow has a, has a flair for the dramatic. And it only seems dramatic because we were done, and God's like, and here I go, boom. God comes through. What's it say in the 11th hour or whatever? Like At the last second, God comes through. And sometimes he does it in a way that we weren't expecting it. Sometimes he doesn't do it in a way that we're even asking for it. I'll go back to that Daniel chapter 3 where it's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those three Hebrew boys that refused to bow down to another god. And because of that, they were thrown in the fire. If I was them, I would have been, anytime, God, anytime. I can feel the heat. There's the fire. Now, now, God, now, now, deliver, heal, restore, revival, you know, just whatever's coming out. Thrown in the fire. And it wasn't even them necessarily that saw what was happening, other than the fact they were not consumed. It was the evil king who saw a fourth person in the fire who said, and that person looks like the son of God. 
Come on, sometimes you got to go in the fire so that Jesus can be visible to those who threw you in the fire. We can't continue to live this cushy American Christianity perspective with bad theology that thinks that if God is faithful, he'll never let me go through anything bad. I was like, you've never read anything in the Bible, have you? Because lots of bad things happen and then God comes through. We have got to find ourselves in that place. There's so many things that people are afraid of right now in the big sense, and these are real. And I want to call some of them out, not to like, if, that, if, if you identify with some of these, it's not for you to feel bad. It's for you to say, you know what, today is where it ends. Today is why I am no longer going to be a slave to the things that are keeping me from being who God says that I was created to be. Come on, fear of rejection, so we reject other people before they have a chance to reject us. Fear of failure, so we never try. Fear of, let's get real, fear of terrorists taking over our entire world. That's what's going to happen. Fear of democracy failing in our nation. Fear of religion taking over in destructive ways. Fear of everyone dying over this pandemic. And fear that overreaction will create even greater problems. Fear of, of vaccines and what will happen if you get it. And of what will happen if you don't. Like, it's, on, it's everywhere. It's coming at us from every single angle, isn't it? Fear of, of government punishment if you don't do everything they tell you. Fear of government overstepping its realm of authority in the family realm and in the church realm. Fear of mandates, fear of personal choice. Fear of freedom, fear of tyranny. Fear of what hasn't even happened yet and fear of the things that will never happen. That's just something, like we could think of thousands of them, couldn't we? Like we all have our individual things that, that the enemy has tried to identify the fear factor in your life so that he can figure out what it's gonna take for you to tap out. And I'm telling you, the voice of God is screaming from heaven. And even screaming from the cross, the voice of Christ is coming forward saying, hey, I've got this covered. I've got you. I've got your back. I went to the cross, and I have conquered the biggest thing that people are afraid of, and that's death. Because I took it on myself, I conquered it. You no longer have to fear anything that the world is going to throw at you because I've already conquered those things. Follow me. Put your fear in me. And the greatness of the fear of the Lord will have fruit in your life. Worship me. Put your faith in me and trust in me because God is going to lead you somewhere that nobody else ever could. Never. We have to, we have to, I realize something like this is usually like, that's fantastic. Now, now I got to go um, do that. So, wow. Like fear is huge. When it comes to the mental health that we, that we see in the world around us, how much of that is fed and given birth to by the fears that are either within us or the fears that are coming at us from the outside? It's real. It's real. It's not just be spiritually tough and get over it. That's, that's, that's actually not biblical counsel. Just, just be tougher. No, no. Put your fear not in those things. Take ownership of it and place your fear where it needs to be. Because there is a fear that will produce death, and there is a fear that will produce life. And God is saying, hey, eyes on me. Eyes on me. Come on, look to Jesus. Look to the work that he did on the cross. Look at the empty tomb. Even death couldn't hold him back. Hey, guess what? He went back to heaven, and now it's not just him. He sent his spirit to be in every single one of us that would put our faith in him. So now, greater is he that is within me than anything that is in the world. We're able to walk in a faith and a boldness and a confidence, even if we are doing it trembling because we are, we are flesh and we're trying to get through these moments of fear and we're, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I don't know if I do. Maybe I do. I do. Okay. And we're just walking through this thing called life and the grace of God will continue to be there for you. 
The power of God will be there to bring the transformation to help you when you don't know how to do it yourself. Because none of this was ever something that you were meant to walk out alone. That's why it's so important to have a community of believers around you. Because like, isn't God enough? If God was enough, he wouldn't have made the church. God's enough for your salvation. God's enough for so much of your life. But there's a reason why God said you need tangible, physical flesh and bone around you. Christian, I need you. And you need me. Like we need each other. That's what community is about. That's why, that's why being faithful to community is so important because there's people that need you and there's people that you need. And the more that we lean into it under the context of fearing God and worshiping God. You know, that's actually why we start our worship experiences with worship because we're starting off by saying, hey, before we do anything else, say anything else, talk about anything else, we fear God and we're gonna worship him. And something happens in the spiritual atmosphere when we decide that we're gonna lead with worship because that begins to create the space where faith can build inside of us to believe for the things that maybe even earlier that morning we were having a hard time having faith for. Maybe you came in and you were sick or you've got an injury or you've got a, a diagnosis and, and there's just something that you, you're, you're afraid of, but God says, hey, I can take care of that. I can be your provider. You need a place to live, I can take care of that. Is your job not doing what it should do? All right, pray, put your faith in me, and I will lead you into a new place. Do you need healing? Hey, I'm your healer. And we begin to say, okay, God, okay, we're gonna take one step at a time. We're gonna, we're gonna fear you, we're gonna worship you, we're gonna put our faith in you, and we're gonna trust you with everything that we are, everything that's inside of us. So let's bring it back to Jesus, okay? I know we, we've got this one thing going on in the world around us now, and a lot of it has to do technically, I think, with there's so much information available to people. But everyone thinks when we have a perspective that we have to be 100% right. And now, yes, there are things in Scripture and in the kingdom of God where there is 100% black and white answers and truth on very important things. But there's other things in the world around us where it's just not. And one of the biggest deceptions that is going throughout not just the church world but all over is I believe this, this demonic spirit of correctness where we feel like we have to be right. If I have a perspective and you disagree with me, you're an idiot because I'm 100% right. And if you disagree with me, then you certainly can't be my friend and you certainly can't love me and we certainly can't do life together because you disagree with me. That is ridiculous. Like in what, in what world is that even a possible reality? But the enemy knows that is a fear factor that if we can get people uh, so insecure about not being right, then it will tear apart and divide people. We don't have to be right to be together. We don't have to be in agreement on everything to be together. Yeah, in the church world, absolutely, there are some pretty key important things that we need to be in agreement on, and that's good. But when it comes to so many of the other things that we face in our world, we can still do life together, do community together, do, uh, do all the things together that, that produces something beautiful and not be in agreement on everything. Let me, let me give you this one verse to kind of wrap things up here. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. I love this verse so much. It's so powerful. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. That's where we're talking about correctness. Correctness depends on your own understanding, on your own interpretation, on what's feeding the information that you are getting that is already being put together in an algorithm by companies that are making billions of dollars off of fear, who are getting you to get the same feed, 
to feed the same knowledge that you're receiving, to give you more confidence about what you think you believe in that is in disagreement with what somebody else's feed tells them. Like we, we all have our politicians that we like. We all have our, our, our uh, pop stars that we like. We all have our influencers. We all have our, our this is where I start getting a little more pet peeve-ish. We all have our, our YouTube prophets that we love. And we all have our international ministries that, that, that have great power and great voice. And they don't have to do anything in people's individual lives because they're able to do it through a, through a camera without the accountability of relationship. And they feed the correctness of what we think we have. And they drive a fear, even in the church world. This is dangerous. And this is something, honestly, and I think, and I think in a healthy way, because I'm talking about fear, it, it terrifies me to make sure that we create an environment at Convo Church where we first honor God and bring people together before taking any lean or any slant that would be about something that is being right on a topic that, that God doesn't actually find important in Scripture. And that's a big deal. And that's something that, that, I, that I and my wife, we wrestle with. We're not just like, oh, we're going to pet peeve church and we're gonna, that's what we're going to talk about. And no, it's, there, there's a heavy weight on that because I realize when I look at the world around us right now, in the church world, there is a danger with technology because there are people who don't have accountability, but they have a following. There are people that have a voice and a microphone and a channel and a ministry but they don't have anybody that they have to answer to. And they say things to get people's attention, to drive fear into them, to help them sell the books that they wrote on that topic. And I'm, please, I'm not saying that judgmentally. That's not, I'm not singling out anybody. That's not the point. There is a spirit at work, even in the kingdom of God world, that is pushing fear so that man's kingdoms can be built instead of the kingdom of God being built. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you what path to take. When it comes to the things that are not those black and white moral scriptural convictions that are, there's not really wiggle room, when it comes to the other things, and we have convictions about, we have preferences about, and those things are powerful too, and they matter. But they're not the issues that should be pulling us apart. What if when it comes to a conviction that you have, you have that conviction, because you took it to the Lord and you prayed. And you said, God, I don't know what to do here. There's stuff coming from everywhere. What's, what, is, what is best? What do you think I should do, God? And you make a decision based off of a conviction after asking the Lord, well, what if somebody else on that same topic did the exact same thing, sought the Lord, and God gave them a conviction and a direction to do something different? Are, are we able to look at our different choices and look at each other and say, you know what, I'm not gonna condemn you because you made a different choice than I made and vice versa. But I'm gonna, you know, how'd you come to that conclusion? Well, I, I didn't know what to do. And I, I prayed and I talked to God because I didn't wanna mess this up. Like, wow, how, how can two people talk to God and come out on different, different conclusions? Well, it's because God knows the individual. God knows what you need and what you need might not be what somebody else needs. And God knows. Let's, this one's online, right? This is live. What, what about when it comes to a vaccine? What if somebody prayed, like, God, I don't know what to do. And he said, get it. And they did it in faith. And somebody else prayed in their conviction. God said, no, I don't think you need to get it. And they did so with a conviction of faith. 
can those two people do life together without condemning each other, without arguing about what was who was right and who was wrong. Because at the end of the day, like Paul even talks about this, it just wasn't about vaccines. He's like, hey, whether it's food, whether it's wine, whether it's meat, whether it's veggies, whether it's paleo, whether it's pescatarian, whether these are all other words I'm throwing in there. He's like, listen, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And when you do it with that confidence, you can walk it out in confidence. You don't have to be ashamed of the decisions that you have made in tough moments and tough seasons when you are doing it as unto the Lord. Have grace for those who are making different decisions. And don't judge, well, you didn't pray right, or I don't think you waited long enough, God would have told you different. Like, it's okay, guys, I'm telling you, there will come a time when we look back on this and we're like, whoops, (laughs) kind of overreacted there, sorry about that. Either way, either way. Because I realize what I'm saying today and even what I preached two weeks ago, people still have the ability to hear what I said from their angle of perspective and make an interpretation of what I said out of something that I did not say. I realize that's just the truth in the world in which we live. So what do you do? Do you just shut up? No, I'm just gonna keep talking about Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's what this all comes back to. It comes back to the fact that we have a savior who loves us and has answers and has solutions. And guess what? He's not just the savior because he's Jesus. You ever thought that? Jesus did this. Well, he's Jesus. He lived a sinless life. Well, he's, he's Jesus. No, the things that Jesus did, he did to show us it was possible. And he also did it to be the perfect sinless savior for people who were not perfect, not sinless, and need a savior. Jesus went through social pressure political pressure, both Jewish and Roman, when you understand the context of the time in which he lived. Uh, uh, Family pressure, uh, relational pressure. Like even within his own hand-picked 12, there was pressure for him to be something and to do something. Yet he took all of that pressure. He kept his eyes on his heavenly father. And he went to the cross and you're like, well, yeah, it looks like that did him a whole lot of good, you know, since it took him to the cross. Like he ended up dying for all that. Maybe if he just did this, he wouldn't have died. Like, listen, we have to understand something. Jesus Jesus refusing to give in to the fear of the world did not lead him to his death. It led him to his purpose. I'm gonna say that one more time. Jesus refusing to give in to the fear of the world did not lead to his death. It led to his purpose. Jesus was put on the cross, not because fear won. He was put on the cross to destroy fear. We gotta think about that. Like what the father was doing in his plan through his son for you and for me wasn't because what well, the outside forces were winning against the, uh, the, the, the kingdom of God. It was because the plan of the father was working perfectly. I'll say it, I say this all the time, I'll say it again. The world is not getting darker because if we believe that, then we're contradicting scripture because John chapter one, it tells us that that Jesus is that light and that light extinguishes darkness. And for darkness to grow, it would have to extinguish light. And scripture tells us right there that it can never extinguish light, which means it cannot take ground back from what, uh, from what Jesus has done. And the light of God is no longer just Jesus, it's in you. And so I don't think that the world is getting darker. I think the darkness is just getting pushed into a corner and it's getting louder. We have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to continue to grow in the fear of God. It's a journey. 
I, it's great. Hey, if God touches you in a special way today and you walk out of here like switches flipped, you're like, boom, fear of God, got it, nailed it, done. And you walk on, you crush it, man. I'm, I'm believing for it. But I don't know about you, but I'm gonna, it's a journey because I might be fired up today, but I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. And tomorrow's gonna be Monday. Tomorrow's not gonna be Sunday, go to church. Tomorrow's gonna be Monday, and what's the world got for me today? What's the news headline got for me today? Who, who, who's gonna be in my feed that's gonna get me riled up today? Like, I've gotta choose tomorrow that I'm gonna fear God. And then Monday's over. And then Tuesday shows up. Every single day, we have a choice to make. So my prayer today for us, for anybody watching, anybody who even sees us in the future, is that we would allow ourselves to be, number one, humble. And when we're humble, we can present ourselves to God and say, God, we don't have this figured out. I have passions, I have convictions, I have things, but none of them are more important than my, than my relationship with you. So God, I'm humble, I submit these things to you. God, if I need to change my mind, then change my mind. If I, if I, need, to, if I need a course correction, then take me where you need me to go. But come on, we're gonna do so because we choose to fear God. And then because we fear God, we're gonna worship God. And because we worship God, we're gonna grow in our faith in God. And because our faith is growing, our trust in who God is will continue to grow. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at ConvoChurch. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.